This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to another edition of the Sports Startup Digital Debate Competition. The biggest things with culture is it's not... Aaron was really good at... Uh, at... When you're looking at turning gaming into something... Video gaming and, and esports. NFL, MLB, and NBA, and I think it would be a great... Um, Kelly, I think you're absolutely right. One, two, three, when you sign up, it's very easy. Um, Dean won it. Content marketing. A lot of present. You gave us a He's actually working for the team. Josh, I feel like you have... B2B, you kind of fall into two categories. Going through the analysis, question number. Dang what you got to have a goal and you got to have a plan. So however you decide to distribute uh, your equipment. We are in the Elite Eight for the Sports Startup Digital Debate Competition. With various skill sets. So, you know, it's kind of like the Apple model where you have... I think if we all had the ability to, you know, pull together... We do it through streamlined predictions. When you're in any type of marketing competition... We'll just move right on to the next question after that. So, all right, that wraps up an amazing debate. Missing individually, and so there are doomed anyway. So, uh, thank you. And now we're on to the next round.
This founder believes online sports betting will evolve into a common and accepted household event that is as commonplace as lottery ticket purchases and just as accessible. The taboo will be replaced by gamification, pro league partnerships, and progressive technology. Give it up for Kelly Brooks and Quarter Four. Hi there, my name is Kelly Brooks and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Quarter Four. Firstly, I want to thank you for being here to support COVID-19 relief efforts. I truly hope everyone around you is healthy and safe. Quarter Four is an artificial intelligence platform that runs hundreds of models in order to predict team and athlete performance in just seconds. With voice integration, you can even get it on your Google Home. We are here and we exist to disrupt the antiquated tips and tricks industry, otherwise known as the sports betting resource industry. Traditionally, this industry has been biased and dishonest, and we are here to make that industry transparent with artificial intelligence modeling and the cleanest data available. Thank you again for tuning in today. This founder believes traditional sports media publishers without live rights will be obsolete in a few years because athletes and entertainers will break their own news with journalists on their own social media once individual monetization becomes streamlined. Give it up for Tiffany Kelly and Cura Story. Hi everyone, my name's Tiffany Kelly. I'm founder and CEO of Cura Story. Um, Cure Story is a video tech marketplace where we connect videos by topics to brands for sponsorship. Um, we're starting with athlete content creators and connecting their videos to health, wellness, and fitness brands for them to sponsor. Um, currently, influencer marketing is super annoying. Um, from 200,000 videos that we've analyzed on Instagram, only 39% of them perform at expectation. Content creators don't want to customize. They don't want to kind of do all of these things. So um, we've actually built tech to where we project engagements, we project micro communities um, for the video, and we kind of connect that to the brands for brands to have their logo and brand awareness um, watermarked throughout the video. And so that's what we're doing. And super excited to have you guys kind of watch our debate. Thank you, founders, for those introductions. Let's kick it over to our head referee, Nick. All right, welcome, everybody. We have made it to the championship for the Sports Startup Digital Debate Competition. We've had over 80 startups apply. We've had 16 finalists that we had debate head-to-head in a head-to-head tournament, and now we're in the championship, and we have Kelly Brooks and Tiffany Kelly, two amazing female founders, and we're going to get things started. So I'm the head referee here. Just want to make a quick complaint to Amazon for being too late, uh, two weeks late for shipping my uniform. Uh, but we're going to keep things going with this. So um, to get things started, we're going to do a coin flip to determine who will uh, answer the first question. So Kelly, would you like heads or tails? Tails, please. It is heads. So. Tiffany, would you like to receive the first question or defer? Or defer. I'm going to defer. Defer, okay. So Kelly, you'll be the first one to answer. You're gonna have 45 seconds. I'm gonna give you a hard stop with a whistle. Um, I would prefer if you answer before that so you don't get the cutoff with the whistle beforehand. But to kick, kick things started, let's put 10 minutes on the clock. 
and we'll start it off with the first question. So, the company is finally ready for Series A. Unfortunately, it took a lot longer and many more pivots than you thought. The only Series A term sheets you could get valued the company at lower than the cumulative amount of investments you've gotten in convertible notes and seed investors. What do you do? And your 45 seconds starts now. Um, this is actually a really valid question right now because I think that uh, COVID-19 is going to impact quite a few companies this way. Regardless, uh, the path that I would take as the founder of Quarter 4, number one, I'd be very transparent with my seed investors. Uh, you know, I would go back to them and explain the situation to them right away. Uh, you know what, they're investors for a reason. They have to also, you know, take some risk here, so hopefully they have their own game plan when I tell them. Uh, I have to respect the market. The market's dictated a price for my company right now, so I have to accept that and move forward with that. Number three, I'm going to take the money uh, because for two reasons. Number one, we need continuity. We need the company to keep going. And uh, number two, we need to get some new... Sorry, we'll let you fi finish that up, but uh, we're going to pass over to Tiffany for your 45 seconds. Yeah, um, I agree okay. with kind of going back and telling your seed investors, of course, what's happening. Um, and I think as a founder, this is a down round. And so it's kind of like taboo. No one really wants to talk about as a founder when you have a down round. Um, but it happens sometimes. And so I think... Um, just being self-aware and sucking it up, honestly. Um, it took a long time to pivot and find your product market fit. And to be fair to investors, they wanna make sure that that J-curve is here to stay and they need that assurance. So um, I also agree with taking the money. I think um, talking to your seed investors, taking it, but also just getting to profitability over everything at the end of the day is the only thing that you should be worried about. So kind of making sure that that product market fit is here to stay and just reevaluating your financials um, and just kind of looking at that every single day to make sure. All right, that was 45 seconds. So Kelly, you can pick back up wherever you were trying to get towards. Yeah, so I just want to, again, say I'm taking the money for continuity purposes uh, to ensure that the valuation goes up. We can keep moving forward, but also to bring some uh, new viewpoints uh, the new investors, they might have some interesting strategic partnership opportunities, some new viewpoints that we can integrate into um, optimizing, reviewing processes, understanding how we got here so that we can take the money, move forward, put our head down, and ultimately increase the value for all the shareholders that are involved, uh, you know, really increase the valuation of that company, get that uh, money value back up for all of the stakeholders involved in the company. Yeah, I just want to add that um, taking the money doesn't necessarily mean that it will you will automatically increase your valuation like you could have another down round honestly um so that's why i just want to kind of reiterate um understanding that you are having a down round and just making sure that you reach profitability extremely quickly so um and just making sure that the pivots that you needed to make um are here to stay and you continue to kind of increase your valuation because of profitability Great, we'll move on to the next question. So, when forecasting goals and objectives for the new year, what areas of the business do you look, you think are most important and why? 
And Tiffany, you have 45 seconds starting now. So when forecasting goals, I think you should always kind of focus on how do you increase both directly and indirectly your primary and secondary KPIs. So for us specifically currently, we are working to get to product market fit. Um, and we are a marketplace, so our primary KPI is GMV, gross merchandise value. Um, so we're also looking at bids within our video sponsorship marketplace and also videos uploaded. Those are the three main metrics that I am making sure that we look at every single day. Um, and I think the business areas to reach that, um, both indirectly and directly, is sales, um, making sure that we're walking through our tech um, and kind of showing the importance of our marketplace um, and educational content. It takes about eight touch points for customers. That was uh, 45 seconds there, so we're going to pass over to Kelly for her 45 seconds. Yeah, um, this is a question about yearly, but we are only two years old and we need to address this all the time. Uh, so we follow the acquisition, retention, and development review continuously. Right now at quarter four on acquisition, we're really clarifying who our target user is. With that target user, we can really streamline our marketing processes so we're not just throwing money blindly. So acquisition is really important. Retention is super important to us right now. Two places. One, user retention. How do we keep the users that are on the platform using them, using the platform? Uh, what makes them happy? How can we continue to evolve the product to satisfy them? But also, employee retention is really important to me right now. We're in year two. I'm starting to see who my shining stars are. How am I going to keep them? Because other people are going to want um, to have a piece of those people eventually. So is it giving them equity, additional equity? We're lean, so I can't offer a lot on the salary side, but how can I fulfill uh, their career, their daily journey with my company right now? Uh, and as well as I think Tiffany mentioned this, I need to continue to evolve my product. Uh, how do I make it valued higher? Right now with COVID-19, we had to make a pivot. We had to look at diversifying revenue streams uh, within this environment. So we integrated B2B, um, you know, APIs rather quickly. And we also um, are implementing a simulated game uh, game or a game interface uh, for lineup building for esports predictions. So again, not yearly, daily, and we're looking at acquisition, retention, and development in all those areas for quarter four. Anything else to add, Tiffany? Um, yeah, I would just say it depends on um, your business model and just making sure that you understand the, what those primary and secondary KPIs are. Great. Cool. So we'll move on to the next question. So poor conduct has surfaced amongst your executive team. It has not been made public yet, but there is a risk that it is not an isolated event. How do you navigate this issue? Okay. Uh, yeah, so um, I've actually, in my first company, had to deal with this a little bit. Uh, it's a really risky situation. Your product, your company can be at risk. Uh, team morale can be at risk. And there could be possible uh, legal blowback on this. So first and foremost, you need to address it head on right away. Um, it could be tough. Some of the, you know, one of the people who could have, um, you know, performed misconduct, you've been with them for a while. They're part of the company. They're trusted. Uh, but you need to put your, you need to go into protection mode as a CEO, and you need to be a leader, and you need to make decisions quickly. Uh, you need to connect with legal advice to understand um, what those steps are moving forward and how do you transition uh, the employee out. Uh, number three, 
the most important. You need to talk to your team. You need to um, let them know about what's happened, and you have to reassure them that it's not affecting the roadmap of the company, and you have to let them know. For me, I have an open-door policy at quarter four. If something's making you uncomfortable or you want to know information, uh, my door is open uh, to help you through that. And also, you need to eventually implement Sorry, the we'll, process. Sorry, we'll uh, 45 seconds, so we'll pass it over to uh, Tiffany. Yeah, um, I also wrote down kind of protecting your culture. So I also went through a PR crisis at ESPN where John Skipper, former CEO, immediately um, kind of went head on to make sure that it was um, kind of communicated to me and, and saying I'm sorry and being honest and um, holding the people responsible. I don't know if I heard you say that, Kelly, but I think like getting rid of um, those that are doing it on purpose and kind of affecting your culture like that it kind of needs to be done like you do need to protect your culture and make sure that you're admitting wrongdoing and you're actually kind of getting rid of um those that are kind of muddying the waters a little bit uh, and kind of being honest and of course um kind of bringing in pr or legal if you need to because i'm assuming the worst it will go public um if it hasn't already so um, and also just putting those new strategy, strategies in place because um, there seems to be a leak in your culture a little bit, right? So um, just being honest and being upfront and protecting your culture at all costs for your other employees. Yeah, and, and being ahead of it is, is really important. Um, we learn from all these situations. So previously we put new processes into place. Um, I do I usually consult with legal, uh, you know, to implement policy to make sure I'm doing things by the book and properly uh, and to pass those processes down to my employees so they're really aware of what is, you know, what is misconduct and what is not. With quarter four, we've done, you know, um, rounds of training on that. So, yes, uh, you know, and the social blowback to be ahead of that. Be prepared uh, for some blowback on the social side if it does go public, and uh, be sure to have you know your PR firm, your marketing firm involved there, so you know how to address the 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 uh, the blowback on social media. All right, so we're going to move on to the next question. So, Steve Jobs was famous for not seeking traditional customer feedback for product development. Are you for or against this approach? And how do you approach any new features in your product that you're looking to build from customers? I think this is me. So I am against this approach. I think that, of course, as we all know, statistics, like 42% of reasons startups fail is because of customer indifference and the market not naming your product. How will you know that? It's because you literally have to talk to customers. Um, and I also wanna add, I think it's interesting, originals from Adam Grant, he actually mentions um, founders that excel have actually not been in the industry too, too long. They don't have like 20 year expertise. They're kind of coming in with fresh eyes, which is me. And so because of that, I actually do need to talk to customers, brands, just to kind of understand just the problems that they've been facing for a while that no one has really solved. Um, and I need to learn, right? Because I, I've only been in the industry for three, four years. So yeah, I have to talk to customers, um, period. Um, so as usual, um, you know, a lot of quotes from Steve are, are, are misquoted. Uh, you know, this talks about uh, traditional customer feedback. 
whereas I think that he was very progressive on the customer feedback side. He didn't mean we don't need to do it, but we need to do it in a non-traditional manner. So I do support this, uh, this viewpoint because traditionally you ask the, the customer, well, what solution can we give you? At quarter four, we didn't do that. Uh, number one, we did our research um, through non-traditional means. We did it on Reddit forums. We did it through social media platforms to gain, uh, to define the problem. We really need to define the problem. So in, in non-traditional manners, we did that. Uh, number two, uh, through uh, product iteration, we brought people in around the table. We served them pizza. We showed them what we did, and we said, hey, how does that feel? How does that look? We integrated some of that feedback into our, our product. So again, I don't think it's don't do customer feedback, I think it's don't do it in a traditional way. And as a startup, we're not traditional. Uh, for our MVP and our final product, we're using analytics to track user journey. You know, what feature sets do they like? Where do they spend their time? We're talking to our championship uh, users right now. You know, what do you think of the latest feature drop? We reach out to them through email. We do it through Slack. So we're doing all non-traditional customer feedback methods right now, which I think is uh, what this question is talking about. Anything else to add to that, Tiffany? Yeah, I think, I mean, traditionally, I don't think startups and brands are going to customers and saying like, hey, like, what do you want? Do you want this feature? Do you want that feature? X, Y, like, what do you need? I mean, I think traditional customer feedback is actually talking to your customers and just asking questions, not specifically what do you need? It's actually talk me through your entire funnel and your process that you're having right now. It's actually kind of a story and listening to understand kind of what are the problems that you hear. Right, so that kind of that user journey, like understanding what's actually going on, and um, so yeah, so that's kind of what I would add. So because I I heard Kelly mention like traditionally, I think just asking them what solution you need, which I think isn't correct at all whatsoever. Yeah, no, and, and that's what I meant. I said I think a lot of people assume this quote means, you know, traditional feedback, which would traditionally have been. What do you want us to build? And as a startup, we can't face it that way. We need to use the most uh, unique approaches possible, proven approaches, but whether that's through um, surveys, whether that's through you know uh, sneaking around on a Reddit forum um, in a sports community to see what they're complaining about from a betting resource uh, um, aspect like with what we do with quarter four. And analytics are huge, you know, how can we spy on them and learn about them without directly asking. Uh, and that's what we implement at quarter four. Great. Anything else to add to, to that, Tiffany? Um, no. I mean, I agree with all of the metrics that you're grabbing. Um, we're also grabbing those two. I just, um, yeah, I think it's just the difference between traditional and non-traditional customer feedback that um, this question is about. Great. Well, I'm going to throw in one more overtime wildcard question. Um, that's often asked by a lot of venture capitalists that will determine if they write a check or give an investment or not. And the question is very simple. Would you rather be king or rich? Um, king meaning more power and control, rich meaning more wealth and money. So for that question, um, I believe, uh, Kelly, uh, Kelly, you would uh, ask that question, uh, answer that question first. Okay. Um, yeah. So would I rather be king or would I rather be rich? Um, this is an interesting question. I think right now when you say king, um, 
It means that you have the power uh, to make change and to progress and to disrupt really quickly. So with this question, I think that I would choose, well, the queen option, uh, because I feel like that gives me the ability to, you know, stand on top of the castle, see everything before me, and with that, I should eventually get to the monetary reward. So for me, I would pick the royalty avenue there. Yeah, so funny, because I was actually going to say, you mean, you mean queen and assistant in, in this instance. Um, Actually, I, I'm literally looking at the book, The Founder's Dilemma, and they, I've read it, um, and they've talked about this, and it's actually, I would rather be rich. And I think that that is because when you kind of talk about being a queen, it um, kind of has this idea of you wanting to contain control over the company um, through its entirety. And of course, like, it'll be nice if I'm still a founder CEO once Kira's story exits, but, um, like our startup, but at the end of the day, if I'm replaced, then that's kind of what it is and just being self-aware and kind of stepping out of the way if a new CEO needs to come in and um, kind of take the new vision over. So I would rather be rich and um, kind of let go of control and let um, other amazing um, leaders kind of step into the company when it gets to that point, but also just hiring people that can lead the company as well in their own niches as I'm still CEO um, and kind of just trusting who I hire. So yeah, I would definitely, everyone kind of talks about choosing rich over kind of maintaining control, which is what this question is about. Great. Well, that wraps up the debate. Fantastic job, Kelly and Tiffany. Now we are going to go over to the judges for their analysis and picks. If you haven't already, please use the hashtag debate for COVID. Let us know who you think won that round and please donate to our pledging campaign to support CDP COVID-19 relief. Thank you. Now on to the judges. introduce our judges first up david Meltzer, co-founder of sports one marketing next wayne kimmel managing partner at 76 capital and lastly marquise colston entrepreneur speaker advisor and nfl love let's kick it over to our head referee nick That wraps up an amazing debate between Kelly and Tiffany. And now we are on to the judges for their analysis and picks to decide who wins the inaugural sports startup debate competition. And to kick things off, we're going to pass it over to David Meltzer to provide his analysis, followed by his pick. 
Sure. Well, thank you so much, Nick. You know, I was so impressed by both founders and thought that they articulated their answers very well and both had compelling and valuable analysis of the questions asked. Uh, the seed round question was interesting because I really like Kelly's transparency with seed investors and, you know, markets dictated price, uh, taking money to keep money going. I have an old philosophy of the number one rule in business is to stay in business. Um, I also like Tiffany's grit, right? So being self-aware and sucking it up, uh, getting profitable quickly. Uh, and so I thought both of those answers were really strong. Uh, Kelly continuing on with strategic partnership and increasing value of all shareholders is always a great answer. When people ask me what my exit strategy is, I always say to increase shareholder value. You never know what somebody's gonna offer you as we've seen. Um, and then Tiffany talking about taking money uh, it doesn't mean your valuation increases. Show some great situational knowledge and experience. Um, I was also interested in the question about forecasting. Um, when Tiffany was talking about her primary and secondary KPIs and talking about the three main metrics, uh, the need for sales, education, content, you know, I, I thought that was a really, really good answer. And Kelly's analysis with acquisition, retention, development, um, I'm a big diversification person. So Kelly, on that one, when she talked about diversifying revenue streams, uh, I diversify so many revenue streams, I don't think people know exactly what I do. Uh, so, um, you know, right to that point, you, you know, we're, we're looking really tight. Uh, then we started talking about risk and um, Kelly addresses it head on, right? She goes right into the protection mode, connect with legal advice, talk to your team. Uh, Tiffany was more cultural in her nature, right? The John Skipper example, uh, holding people responsible, uh, liable responsibility and accountability, I think need to be addressed. Um, but I really like the head-on approach. Uh, I think as a leader, Kelly uh, really answered that question really well. And on the feedback side, customer feedback, um, you know, once again, that kind of head on approach of Tiffany um, was there and having to talk to customers with fresh eyes versus experience. And Kelly's answer was uh, exceptional, right? Traditional customers feedback versus non-traditional, the product iteration. She showed some great depth of knowledge experience. Um, and I thought it was an exceptional answer as well. The final question was my favorite. And because I believe in study human nature through history to be king or rich, um, I like Kelly's answer. Uh, king, you know, is in power because you actually can affect change, growth, and acceleration. Uh, although she did indicate that she'd like to be the queen, which gave me even extra bonus points for her. Uh, and Tiffany uh, would rather be rich. Um, so. In the end, uh, very close, but my choice has to be Kelly. All right, thank you, David, for that analysis and pick. So now we have one vote for Kelly, and now we're gonna move over to Marcus Colson for his analysis and pick. So Marcus, what were your thoughts on that debate? I, I think it was a really good debate. Uh, felt like a heavyweight fight. Um, two, two great founders, um, really good insights, and, um, 
I, I know who my vote's going to be, but I, I feel like you guys did a really good job of, of kind of getting to this as a championship round. It, it really felt like one. Um, yeah, so kind of breaking down each question, what were your thoughts and who, who you thought won uh, each each question or what were your thoughts on their, their answers there? Yeah, I mean, both both uh, Tiffany and Kelly uh, had some re- really good answers. Um, you know, kind of starting off with, with the first question that um, – you know, is, is every founder's nightmare, which is, is, you know, preparing for a down round or devaluing your company on, on a, an investment round. Um, and both had some really good answers. Uh, the one thing that, that uh, Tiffany did say um, that really stuck out to me was, was being focused around profitability. Um, you know, as, as someone that's not really a, a, a VC investor, I'm, I'm more of a, an entrepreneurial investor. Um, you know, the, the focus on profitability uh, to me re- really, really just kind of stood out. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously a tough conversation to, to have with, with your investors and your stakeholders. Um, and the, the one thing that, uh, that Kelly said that, that kind of, as an investor, I, I, I wouldn't want to hear, um, any, any investment in an early stage company is a risk. Um, and, you know, in the event that a, a you, your company gets devalued or a down round happens. Um, I don't want to kind of. I don't want to feel like I'm being being backed into a corner where I have to take on additional risk. Um, you know, because I've kind of placed my bet on you to to figure it out along the way. So uh, really close, really close debate on that question. But I got to give it to Tiffany, uh, just being focused around profitability. Great. We'll move on to the second question. So with forecasting goals and objectives. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? And who, who won that question? Again, two two really really good uh, perspectives. Um, you know, the the one insight that that Kelly did bring that I thought was really valuable in early stage company is um, employee retention. Um, you know, as you're a growing company and you you find out who those rock stars are, um, you got to be able to figure out creative ways to keep them around, um, especially because investors don't like to see. Um, you know, capital coming in the door and going right back out the door uh, to, to pay, you know, high salaries. So um, her focus on being being really creative around uh, retaining those those rock star employees and keeping the continuity of the company going. Um, I, I got to give the, the edge to her on that question. Great. And then for the third question here, we have uh, poor conduct being surfaced on an executive team, how they deal with that. Uh, what was your analysis on that? Yeah, it, it's, um, you know, poor conduct is something that, that especially in this, this social media era, um, it, it's tough to keep a lid on any of that kind of stuff. So, again, two, two really, really polished answers. Uh, I, I kind of gave the nod to Tiffany. I uh, just felt like her approach was a little bit more, more forward and, and really focused on uh, protecting the culture at all costs. And, um, you know, it, it, some, someone that, that's, you know, not doing the right things, um, that has to be dealt with uh, accordingly, and and it's it's got to almost, um, you know, it, it's got to be taken care of, uh, you know, head on, as as both of them really said. But um, I think Tiffany was just a little more forward for me, and and you know, culture driven, uh, which is which is um, you know, aligned with the way that I think. Great. We have two more questions that were asked for that, and uh, the next question was steve jobs and his consumer feedback for product development what were what was your analysis on that question this one this one was actually um this is one of the few that was kind of a toss-up for me um 
you know, because I think both both approaches, um, I, I can I can I can get behind both approaches. The the, the non traditional um, approach that uh, that that Kelly talked about, as well as um, you know, thinking more creatively about how you approach feedback from from Tiffany's perspective. So this is one that that really was a toss up for me. Um, it was it was hard to make a decision on this one. All right. Well, the, the last question was, uh, would you rather be king or queen in this case, or rich? Um, and, and what was your analysis on, on their answers there? Yeah, again, this is a, an interesting question, um, you know, from from an investor standpoint, um, you know, so, someone that, that wants to be wants to be rich. Um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with either one. I'll, I'll start by saying that. But um, you know, someone that wants to be rich, you kind of get the feeling that that they're okay with um, they're okay with with parting ways with some a little bit of control and and um, you know just overall guidance of the process versus someone that wants to be be a king or queen. Um, they kind of want to rule the domain. So um, yeah, I mean, again, a, a toss up to me. Um, my preference would be um, to 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 be rich. Um, you know, and you know, be able to to move around with a little a little more uh, freedom, and uh, you know, get involved in some other things. Great. So, after all those answers in, in the debate, who would you say overall won that entire round? Yeah, for for me, I, I give the slight edge to Tiffany. Um, and again, the, the two the two things that really that really vibe well with me were um, her her profit first approach. Um, and, you know, really being, being, um, culture driven and, and culture first and, and being able to protect that at all costs. Those were the two things that gave me, gave, gave her the edge in, in my opinion. Great. Well, thank you for that. So now we have one vote for Tiffany, one vote for Kelly. Um, now Wayne is in the hot seat to decide who will win the inaugural sports startup debate competition. Thank you for Mark. Thank you that for Marcus. And now we're going to go over to Wayne for his pick. Really exciting match that we had today between Kelly and Tiffany. Kelly came out and she was strong, had really strong statements about taking the money. And Tiffany in that first round talked about pivoting. Not a big fan of that word. Round one goes to Kelly. Round two, Tiffany comes out with strong blows to the body with KPIs and GMV, really direct to the point. Really like that. Kelly does a nice job, but uses the word pivot. Not a big fan of that word pivot. David Stern and I not weren't big fans of that. We'd always talk about how pivoting happens on a basketball court, not in business. So that second round goes to Tiffany. It's tied up. We go into round three. Both fighters came out strong. Kelly talks about being a leader. Tiffany talks about holding people responsible and making sure that you're honest and tells a great story about her time at ESPN with John Skipper. I think that round was a draw. Same thing in round four. They both came out throwing, you know, haymakers left and right. And that round was incredible. They're talking about Steve Jobs and what he believes, how you go out and you think about asking your customer or not asking your customer what to do. Both had made great points, so it's tied up going into overtime. And in overtime, it was all about whether you want to be a queen or you're going to be rich. Well, I think what Kelly had to say about being a queen was much stronger so the winner of Pitch Madness on my scorecard is Kelly. Well, thanks for that, Wayne. And congratulations, Kelly, for winning two out of the three judges' votes to win the inaugural sports startup digital debate competition. 
Thank you, David and Marcus, for your in-depth analysis and votes on this championship round. We just want to give a quick applause for Tiffany for a well-thought-out debate and just recapping the entire tournament where we had over 80 startups apply from around the world with listeners and viewers coming around the world as well. Uh, we had categories from esports, sports tech, sports betting, and athlete performance, debating and discussing the trends of the industry and when we potentially could return back to a new normal of sports. We just wanted to go back to the whole reason why we started this tournament was to stir significant uh, business development between investors and startups, and we are confident that we did that, as well as raise money for the CDP COVID-19 Relief Fund through our budget campaign. So we really appreciate you donating any small amount to go to that great cause. And lastly, we hope this educated uh, people more about entrepreneurship and sports and entertainment in general. So with that being said, if you'd like to rewatch or recap any of the live episodes, you can go to www.sportsbizlive.tv or follow any of the at Sportsbiz Group social media channels for recaps. And this pod, this will be available on podcast form. So if you go to www.sportsbizpod.com and please stay connected, let us know what you think we should be doing for this tournament going forward. Thank you for tuning in and we'll stay updated with anything new that will come from this tournament. Cheers and stay safe.